What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 143, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Evolution, part one. Evolution, part one. Part one. So We're I'm in- disappointed, Brent, that this episode has nothing to do with Darwin nope, or nothing. the Beagle or anything. Nope. nope. Uh, I also, uh, I did look into the sort of the broad, mostly accepted timeline of life on Earth, and I'm pleased to say I was not too terribly far off uh, two billion years ago, earliest single-celled organisms flopped around, so we think, and then one billion years ago was just before the first plants, meaning it was pretty, it didn't look anything like it does now, nothing at all. So it took... A billion years for life to figure out how to move from a single cell to a multi-cell thing. I think that's uh, that's that's a tragic oversimplification, but you know what? Close enough. We went from nothing, 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 nothing to, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to become a plant. Ta-da! Here I am! Look at yeah, me! Look at you, making photosynthesis. So if you want some, you know... Barely understandable paleobiology talk. Uh, good news. We're an independent podcast, meaning nobody can stop us. Uh, if you'd like and to who support knows the sh- what you'll get. That, yeah, that's exactly right. If you'd like <laughs> to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. There's tiers, there's privileges. One of the privileges is access to some of our Patreon first content, including Stargate Second Chances, where Zach and I review uh, previously watched episodes based off of your votes, and we give new thoughts on them, uh, especially understanding the context of the story. Uh, we got a couple. We got one on the calendar right away. We got a few more that we're going to be scheduling up. Another thing that you guys can listen to right away is Zach and good friend of the show, David. They have the other side of the gate where they talk about meta themes and spoilery things and things basically where they can just go ahead and have a nice big conversation about the story at large without worrying about spoiling things. Uh, I presume it's a lot of fun. I don't know. I don't listen to it. But uh, one of the things that I do listen to is the heinously wonderful, yes, that is a thing, uh, Stargate Infinity, We Lost a Bet. Uh, It was a stretch goal where if we had enough support, we would start watching the non-canonical animated series. And here we are. So uh, we are... um, I think we also got one of those things coming up on the calendar here pretty soon. We're struggling a little bit because life is life. Uh, I was just telling Zach, um, we got to keep it nice, tight and bright because I got to go jump in the car and then go down to a place for appliance delivery and da, 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 because that's what my life is right now. And Zach's got like, you know, everything under the sun going on as well. And, you know, whatever. Now I'm just complaining. Uh, so if you would like to listen to this stuff right away, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Donate at any level. Bang, you're in. If you say to yourself, ha ha that is a clever ploy to separate me from my money, Brent. It will never work. I will never listen to you. And I'm like, actually, you will probably listen to that stuff because we put it on the main feed. We always put it on Patreon first. And then eventually we're like, hey, how about we pop it on the main feed? It's been a part of the thing since the beginning. We like doing it that way. It's great. We we have a lot of fun with that. So you will always be able to hear this stuff. And if you know somebody that would benefit from hearing our dulcet tones, you can advise them to find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and podcast aggregators where the cool kids go. So, Zach, if somebody wants to let us know that they have found an entire segment of people that they deem cool kids, not that the society at large deem cool kids, because there can be and often is a noticeable difference between those that generally are deemed cool kids and those that we think are cool kids. And then they go to those cool kids and say, hey, 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 go to your favorite podcast aggregator and look up Walking Through the Stargate. You're welcome. How might they uh, How might they reach out to let us know that they have uh, accomplished such a feat? So if you are a cool kid and you know that you're a cool kid because you say, I'm a cool kid, yeah. even if the rest of the culture says you're not a cool kid, if you say it, it's true. It's um, true. There you go. Uh, this is because I'm a cool kid and I really... Mm-hmm. I, I, Okay. You In are. any case, if you have other friends <laughs> and you think that those other friends would benefit from listening to Walking Through the Stargate and the Walk Through the Stargate with us and all of that fun stuff, and you have told them and you want to share that with us that you have grown the community with your own vocal cords, which is really awesome, by That's the right. way, you can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is... W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H at gmail.com <laughs> I'm not going to do it because I'm just not going to do it but making a super cut of every time that you try to go through that email address well no it'd be a lot there'd be a hundred no 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 we're not doing it there, there's a lot of them mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, walking through the stargate yes at gmail.com that's right um, and if if after 143 episodes you're still struggling on your spelling of that, well, we can't. Uh, you can email us and let us know that that's what you're doing. <laughs> hey Zach, I haven't heard anybody email us to let us know that they can't spell our email address. So clearly they can. So it's it's like tiger repellent. Obviously it works. Obviously, yeah. Uh, hey Brent, why hmm. do you have a banana stuck in your ear? <laughs> Keeps the tigers away. Uh. Uh, Brent, there there aren't any tigers here. Yeah, banana in the ear. Oh, oh okay. Or you can <laughs> go to Twitter at Stargate Walking and follow us there and talk to us there and all of that stuff. So you know, if you are struggling with your spelling, Stargate Walking is much easier to spell. That's true. Um, and you could go to Twitter and talk to us there. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to the Facebook. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. They're both called Walking Through the Stargate. You can mm-hmm. hit the like and the subscribe and the the, the follow and the punchy punch and the, the stuff. And <laughs> and then you can join the community there and, and do the stuff that, that happens there. Or you can go to the website, which is WTTS.space. Space! And that is really easy to remember because it's just WTTS. Yeah. Dot S-P-A-C-E, space. Yes. So there you go. Mm-hmm. You got it. Um, now, now, don't forget about that last E because it's a silent E. Yeah, it'd be Spock if you didn't. Yeah, yeah. And and now we're talking about Vulcans, and this is that's the wrong genre. Not, not genre. Spock. Wrong wrong franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Back. there mm-hmm. you go. Um, or you can go to the discords and join the, the community and the, the conversations that are happening there. Ooh, I um, have ignored the discords. I need to get back. I, yeah. Yes. Discord is good. Discord is good. Um, and if you want the link for the Discord to get in there, go to the website and that will get you there. Yep. And of course, as Brent talked about, we have the Patreon uh, available to you, uh, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. And you can do all that stuff. Uh, as Brent alluded to, I believe later this week, if everything goes as planned, we will record 
an episode of Stargate Second Chances, mm-hmm. and possibly even uh, some other things with that that will uh, get into the pipeline as it goes. Yes. And uh, we'll go from there. Yep. So, I think that's where we're at. Brent. Yes. This episode, Evolution Part 1, is the mid-season finale break. Mm-hmm. It is directed by Peter DeLuise. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is his fifth of seven directing credits. He's got Fragile Balance, Orpheus, Lifeboat, Enemy Mine. He's got uh, this one, Evolution Part 1. And spoiler, he also directed <laughs> Evolution Part 2. Hey, I mean, it's not a given. We've had a couple of two-parters where somebody does the first half and somebody else does the second half. That's true. But uh, apparently this is the season where Peter only directs things in pairs. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, with the exception of the final episode, which is an oddball. Yes. Um, okay. But but anyway, uh, the story for this episode is by Damien Kindler and Michael Shanks. Hmm. Um, this is the first of just two episodes with uh, Michael Shanks as a story uh, or writer teleplay. I can't remember if he actually did the teleplay credit for the other one or not. Um, but his original pitch for this one had something to do with a sequel to Crystal Skull involving mm-hmm. Dr. Ballard and all of that stuff. And, you know, we get a couple of words in there. And uh, invitation to think about Doctor Ballard in this episode, and that's about as far as it goes. But so we're going to go back. We're going to go back for Grandpa, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's waiting there. He's we're we're, we're going to come back. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, the teleplay for this episode is by Damien Kindler. Uh, so he and Michael Shanks worked on the story, and then he actually wrote the teleplay. This is his third of five writing credits. Uh, he did Fragile Balance and Space Race. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole host of guest actors for this mm-hmm. episode. This is going to take a little while. I, uh, you know, just this is what it is. We, of course, say hello to Carmen Argenziano as mm-hmm. Jacob Carter and Selmec. Yeah. We say hello to this podcast's very own Tony Amendola. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess we could say that. There you go. <laughs> um, we also say uh, hello again to Bill Dow, who plays yeah. Dr. Bill Lee, mm-hmm. and Eric Brecker, who plays Colonel Renner- Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole host of new people here. We start mm-hmm. with Todd Thompson. He plays the Ramius First Prime. He's the first guy that's lying there dying, and then he gets yep. shot. He's the first guy killed on camera by the Cold Warrior. This is important stuff. Y- yes, the super soldier. The super soldier. Todd was born in London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, not London, UK. This no, is they are different Can- places. Yeah, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late 1960s, uh, he studied. Oh wait, sorry. This IMDb mini biography was written by none other than Tom Thompson, Todd Thompson. So I, I really need to read it completely for, uh, okay. you know, to honor this. Okay, here we go. Yes. Todd was born in London, Ontario, Canada, on June 5th, 1968. He studied political science and philosophy at the University of Western Ontario. He moved to Vancouver, British Columbia in 1994 and began taking acting classes two years later. His first break came in 2000 when he was cast in a play called Kilt at the Belfry Theatre in Victoria, British Columbia. And 15 years later, Todd continues to work consistently in theatre and in film and television. Todd has been with his partner, Megan Gardner, since 2003, and they have a son named Fraser. Aha. So, um, this is his, most of his career has been in theater. 
he didn't have a ton of stuff, if I recall correctly, on IMDb in the film television category. Uh, but it is sprinkled in there throughout there. Uh, this episode here is actually his second IMDb credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first IMDb credit was a short in 2001 entitled, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? And he played Silas in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there you go. Mm-hmm. We say hello in this episode to Zach Santiago, who plays Rogelio Duran. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, uh, uh, the, the, the guide. Mm-hmm. Who who takes them out into the the uh, the the jungle? Um, let's see here. This is a mini bio by Anonymous. By, by wait a minute. The hacker group that's currently trying to take out Russia. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. Not only do they try to take out Russia, Russians, and Russia, whatever. I don't know, but but they also write uh, mini bios. There we go. On okay. IMDb. Okay. So this is what they have to say about Zach. Zach has also been a successful. Hmm, also. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, there might have been some words before this. <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty sure I copied all of it, but here we go. <laughs> well, Anonymous got to it, so you know, there's parts. Zach of has also been a successful club and radio DJ in Canada and Europe throughout the last decade. A professional film and TV actor, dancer, and musician, he brings a complete and distinct energy as a performance artist. There you go. Um, he's done lots of different shows like Peacemaker, Travelers, The X-Files, Jerk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, Continuum, Sanctuary, Caprica, and many, many more. He's done mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. His first IMDb credit came in 1997 in the TV series Poltergeist The Legacy. He played Pierce... In the episode Shadowfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on our list is Dan Payne. And I think I actually, at one point in time, I actually did talk about Dan, but uh, this is still important because he plays the Cull Warrior, the Super Soldier. Yes. Uh, and, and he will play the, the Super Soldier just about every time that we see the Super Soldier from now on. Spoiler, yeah, that makes sense. this is not the end of the Super Soldiers. You don't say. I do say. Um, so uh, he was uh, born in Victoria, British Columbia Uh, let's see here he was able to move around a lot as a kid he moved to towns and cities of all shapes and sizes Uh, and this afforded him the opportunity uh, to travel and oh okay here we go so he became best friends with his family because you know with you know with his siblings because you know when you travel around you don't see a lot of other people you know mm-hmm. build those relationships but um, in any case um, he has a very resourceful and independent uh, sense to himself these days uh, let's see here he is six foot four mm. uh, weighing nearly two hundred thirty pounds all of mm-hmm. this is I'm I'm paraphrasing somebody else's but it's not Dan's mini bio. And it's not many, so here we go. Um, uh, holy, ca- holy cow! It goes on, it goes I, on. I had to scroll three times. Yeah, uh, let's see here. So, you know, this is a big, huge guy that's, like, built for sports, but mm-hmm. he's also smart. Um, and, and, of course, the way this sentence is worded implies that one can't be both smart and built for sports, which I think is a problematic uh, implication. Uh, yeah. One, I mean... I'm reasonably smart and not built for sports. 
But that you know, those aren't opposite things. No. So anyway, uh, he earned an honor roll in matriculation. Ooh, there's a fun word for you. Throughout high school, uh, and he was awarded scholarships in un- to universities across Canada. He eventually went to the University of Calgary, and he did actually become an athlete for a while, playing volleyball for the U of C Dinosaurs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they don't uh, move so fast unless they do whatever i don't know you know depending on depends on the dinosaur they, you know. they they were once great they they were i mean you know great lizards mm. uh, although apparently they were birds <laughs> great lizards <laughs> lizards okay uh the university of calgary lizards <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or known colloquially as the terrifying pterodactyls. Uh, anyway, um, so he played a lot of volleyball in college, uh, and that actually earned him an opportunity to play professionally in Holland for a while. Oh, there you go. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, eventually, uh, he uh, moved to Australia with his brother to become a professional photographer and reawakened his love for the creative arts. Mm. Um, uh, Photography quickly became an excellent side job while he and his brother actively began pursuing their own path to their childhood dream of acting. Mm. The theater. The theater. Um, So then eventually they moved to uh, London and did some other things. Uh, the UK London. marked the... St- London, Ontario? <laughs> no, London, England. This okay. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he had his big break on the west end of London, Ontario. <laughs> Which, I, uh, there's people, hey, there's people listening hey, right now. They're hey, just like, that, hey. That is, that is far more impressive than London, Iowa. Oh, is there a London, Iowa? I don't know. I can't remember for sure, but oh, I, I, there, there yeah. probably is. There There's probably a London is. everywhere. There's, there, is, there is London everywhere. That's true. In any case, um, back, to, back to Dan. Um, he studied film and acting in London, uh, England, just to be clear. Uh, and then um, he uh, became, he decided to return to Canada and keep working there on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Dan continues his efforts to constantly expand on his experiences in both comedy and drama, which only strengthens his lifelong passion for acting. Mm. Uh, Vancouver has been a dream come true for Dan. He has enjoyed many varied roles since returning home uh, from lawyers to aliens to playing with the Muppets. Oh, uh, so there you go. Um, yeah, he's done all sorts of fun things and he's been to... Uh, L.A., I think he's, maybe he's living in L.A. now. It's hard to tell. He's got kids, too. Um, Dan played Anubis's Ashrak in the episode Allegiance. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned him at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, he also played Nearty's Jaffa Commander in, episode, in the episode Metamorphosis. Um, and we actually got to see his face in the episode Fragile Balance earlier this season briefly. Um, do you recall when young O'Neill, uh, Clo'Neal, if you will, mm-hmm. was uh, in the, the hallway beating like 
you know, arm wrestled by a, a oh, couple yeah, of staff yeah, sergeants, yeah. You know, sergeants uh, before he goes in there and talks to all of the flyboys and such. Yes. Uh, well, the guy that's like pinning his arm back and smashing his head into the, the, the wall <laughs> is Dan Payne. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So, uh, suffice it to say, we will see um, uh, the Cull Warrior at least several more times. Um, and we'll see him also in a few episodes of Atlantis, uh, Dan Payne, not necessarily mm-hmm. the Cold Warrior. So, his first IMDb credit was in 2001. Uh, in the TV series Myth Quest, he played Osiris in the episode Isis and Osiris Part 1. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Bringing it back. Yep. Uh, nothing to do with Stargate. No, but, but, and yet, and yet. And, and yet. All right. Now we have Frank Roman, who plays Raphael. This would be the, uh, the, uh, guerrilla, uh, troops leader guy. Yes. Right? Uh, and this is a long mini bio by none other than Frank Roman. So. Okay. Born in Brooklyn, New York, Frank Roman, a New York, New Yorkian. Uh, Shepardic, uh, I think that means he's like Puerto Rican from New York and he's also got uh, Jewish ancestry. New Yorkian Sephardic, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he migrated to Miami, Florida, and with theater, television, and film credits to his name, he has become an exciting talent in Hollywood. Frank began his acting career as the lead in six theatrical productions from the East Coast to the West. He has starred in such stage hits as the famous musical The Fantastics and Neil Simon's comedy California Suite. When Frank made The Move to Los Angeles, he was quickly discovered by Mel Brooks, who starred him in his comedy Life Stinks in 1991. The two funny men worked together again on two more Mel Brooks comedies. With this solid comic endorsement, Frank made the transition to features. Soon thereafter, he found himself starring opposite other comedy greats, such as Ellen DeGeneres in Mr. Wrong in 1996, and Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau in The Odd Couple 2 in 1998. His film work was has taken him to exotic locations such as Manila, Moscow, and most recently Rome, where he wrapped location shooting for the expected summer hit Envy in 2004. So clearly, this <laughs> review <laughs> this is a little while ago. This is a while ago. Anyway, however, one of Frank's favorite memories was the strip search in Bucharest, Romania. Frank considered this one of the perks in his contract. Uh, having guest starred in more than 20 network shows, Frank has had the opportunity of working with some of TV's most accomplished actors, from Brian Dennehy in The Fighting Fitzgeralds mm-hmm. to Jenna Elfman in Dharma and Greg. But mm-hmm. Frank isn't limited to comedy, as he has demonstrated with his critically acclaimed dramatic performance in The X-Files. During the show's final season, John Doe, uh, as... The episode, the episode John Doe as the devious Domingo Salmeron, mm-hmm. and as Caesar Rodriguez in Noriega, God's favorite. Hmm. He has also had the opportunity to appear in other 
stablemate shows like NYPD Blue, Diagnosis Murder, ER, Becker, and Quantum Leap. Mm. In 2003, he worked alongside Ben Stiller and Jack Black in Barry Levinson's new feature comedy, Envy. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Also, he can be found in the recurring role of Reno on the NBC sitcom In-Laws, starring Dennis Farina and Gene Smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, IMDb mini biography by Frank Roman. Um, This episode here, though, uh, was actually one of his very last. He had this one Mm. and I think one or maybe two other uh, credits on his IMDb list. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, His first IMDb credit came in 1989 when uh, he played Tony in two episodes of the soap opera Santa Barbara. There you go. There you go. Uh, And now um, other people of note that I'm not going to talk about because we've been doing this a long time. We've got Craig (laughs) Erickson who plays a doll. Right? Uh Um, We have Sean Whale who plays Ramius. Yep. Uh, interestingly, on him, uh, this is his second IMDb credit as well, in addition to whomever the other guy was. I can't remember. It was up there. It's been so long, I can't remember their names anymore. It's been a while. Um, and then we have uh, Michael Johnson, who plays the Jaffa guard, who um, is eventually convinced to let them out. Yep. Um, so... Uh, and actually, we've actually seen him in a few other episodes as well, and just kind of background Jaffa and whatnot. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you go. So we'll call that good. <laughs> um, lots and lots and lots of guest actors. This, yes. This episode. And, and uh, there is one more name that I have there that I have highlighted, Brent, but we'll talk about him in part two. He becomes. Okay. All right. Um, you know, he was just a background character in this episode. So. The original air date for this episode was August 22nd, 2003. In the UK, they were still listening to Breathe by Blue Cantrell <laughs> featuring Sean Paul. <laughs> Did the US exist then, Zach? No. Oh. No. <laughs> it, it, it somehow disappeared off the face of the globe for a short period of time, apparently. <laughs> um, now, Very despite mistake. having disappeared... They were still watching movies. Mm -hmm. And as they were last week, because clearly uh, Freddie and Jason um, was number one and and they were still practicing their breathing exercises with each other. Um, I think they were trying to see who could breathe the best. Um, and, And this was important because the SWAT team was right there on an open range and whoever stopped breathing the best would not have a happy day. And this is all happening on a Friday, which yeah. was a freaky Friday. Right. And the winner would get the medallion. Oh, hey, nice. The medallion is different this week than last. Yeah, everything else is the same. It fits a little bit better this week in my That's little true. recreation. Yeah, yeah. I'm just well imagining done. now a wide open range on a Friday with Freddie and Jason sitting there with a whole bunch of SWAT guys and they're practicing their breathing exercises <laughs> to see who is going to win the medallion. I, I, I find that a humorous picture in my head. I bet you that there are um, horror movie aficionados who are like clear in their head. It's like, well, obviously it's this person because they're already dead, already dead or something. I don't know what. Um, I, you know, obviously it's this person because they're a manifestation of a dream. Duh. 
Ah, well, you know, I, I can safely say that I have never seen any movies with Freddy or Jason in nope. them. All of my all of my knowledge of either of these characters has to do with conversations with people who have watched the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I Horror I is not observed. my genre of movie. Yeah, no, I think I think that my only observed anything from these movies is when they show clips of the shows inside TV show or like you know like you know. Now is Jason? That's not Halloween, is it? I think so. Is he the guy know. with the mask? I I don't know. I mean, I, and you know, the, Freddy there Krueger's are people out there who are like, the, no. Yeah. Or yes, of course it's that. How can yeah. you? Know, and, and I'm like, eh. yeah, I don't know. I, I don't care. Do not have the medallion <laughs> in all of this. <laughs> Something just got hooked across the room. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, somebody's throwing their phone with their <laughs> checking it across yeah. the room. <laughs> what they didn't realize is that they still had a corded he- headphones, and their face gets going. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, friends. Sorry. sorry, sorry. I apologize. Go, go ahead. Pick up your phone. All right. There we go. Shall, shall we keep going? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. So, what was happening around this time? On August 19, a couple of days before this episode aired, the a Hamas planned suicide attack on a bus in Jerusalem kills 23 Israelis. Mm. Seven of them are children. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, also on the 19th was another uh, car bomb attack oh, on the United Nations headquarters in Iraq that kills the agency's top envoy, Sergio Vieira de Mello, mm. and 21 other employees. Ugh. Yeah. Oof. Uh, on August 22nd, Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore is suspended after refusing to comply with the federal court order to remove a rock inscribed with the Ten Commandments from the lobby of the Alabama Supreme Court building. I remember that. I remember that. Yes. Uh, it is a, it, it's still an issue for plenty of people today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of days later, on August 25th, the Tlicho land uh, claim the Tlicho land claims agreement uh, is, okay, the Tlicho land claim, I, I, I can't remember, anyway, the, <laughs> the, you want me to try? No, I, I got this. You got this? So, okay. I, I got this. So, uh, there, there is a dispute, unsurprisingly, between the Dogrib First Nations and the Canadian federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a land claim uh, disagreement, and the land claim was Tlicho, right? So the Tlicho land claims uh, agreement. So there's this agreement, Tlicho land claims agreement. There you go. Mm-hmm. See, I just got to get all of that out in one. Yep. It's signed between the Dogrib First Nations and the Canadian federal government in uh, Ray Edso, which is now called uh, Bechoko. Mm-hmm. I probably mispronounced that, but... Um, Probably close. Close, you know. Anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, I, yeah, that, that's, that's a good thing. There you go. All right. We do have some uh, trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. All right. So, the super soldier, the Coles, Cold Warrior's home planet is identified as Tartarus. And in ancient Egyptian mythology, Anubis was identified as the god of the dead and of embalming. Mm-hmm. His Greek counterpart was Hades, uh, below whose realm was 
Tartarus, mm-hmm. uh, the place in which the Titans were imprisoned and which was the place of ultimate suffering of the damned. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Right. So, there you go. Um, the scenes of the rebel camp in Nicaragua were shot at the Mid-Valley viewpoint of the Lower Seymour Conservation Reserve in Canada. Okay. Um, and as, as Julie was saying the other day when we were watching this episode, oh, look, it's a very Pacific Northwestern version of Nicaragua. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah um, they do what they can. Yeah, so uh, when Dr. Jackson and Dr. Lee were held captive by the uh, rebels, uh, they have a close-up of a couple of cockroaches sitting there uh, Mm -hmm. by a bowl of food. Those cockroaches are Madagascar hissing cockroaches, which, by the way, my middle school science teacher had a couple of Madagascar hissing cockroaches as his pets in Mm -hmm. the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And they are large. They're about two and a half or three inches long and maybe an inch and a half wide. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you tap them on their shell on the top, they indeed do hiss. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, as cool as that is, those cockroaches are not actually found in Honduras. Oh, well, maybe maybe they were brought. Maybe maybe the uh, the the captors are actually like, you know, etymologists as well. You know, maybe maybe not etymologists. I mean, they could be etymologists. Entomologists. Yeah, in this case, they might be entomologists. Yes, uh, uh, none of them strike me as entomologists. Hey, just saying. Don't judge a book by its cover. That, fair enough. Fair enough. And then finally, uh, Major Samantha Carter tells Major General George S. Hammond that the Cold Warrior died from pulmonary failure, and then Hammond says, "So he died of a heart attack." And Carter says, "Yup." Unfortunately. Pulmonary failure is an issue with the lungs, not the heart. You know, and so then what, because I didn't catch that. Um, uh, I didn't catch it either. I'm just reading somebody else's having caught this. And, and Yeah, but it kind of then implies like, well, then what do we, what do we, like, then what do you, what, what do you call a heart attack? A cardiac arrest. Oh, maybe that's it. Cardiac failure. Yeah. Pulmonary failure is a drown. So pul- pulmonary is is a blood vessel thing, as I, if I recall correctly. But it, it's pulmonary stuff regarding the the lungs and the such. Lungs. Yeah, gotcha. So in any case, it doesn't really matter. He had an enlarged heart and enlarged lungs, and it didn't serve him well. And he finally died. That was morbid. Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> um, designed for one purpose. Yes. Now, this episode in other languages, the Italians, the Spanish, the Czech, the Germans, the Hungarians, all call this episode in their various languages, Evolution Part One. Mm-hmm. The French, on the other hand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pinning the tail on the donkey, call it the Fountain of Youth. Oh. Part One. Yeah. I mean, that is pinning the tail on the donkey so far, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it necessarily gives too much away. Well, you know, there you go. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yeah, let's dig into this one. All right. Teal and Braytac walk through a massacre. Jaffa warriors lay dead and dying all across the field. They find the dead body of the ghoul-wooled Tilgath. Soon they approach a fatally injured Jaffa, the first prime of Ramius. 
He has dire tidings for our heroes. They were attacked. They were massacred by just one warrior. Mm. But before he could describe anything more, a blast cuts through him, killing him. Turning, Teal'c and Braytek see a large, black, armored soldier approaching them from the forest. Mm-hmm. They fire their staff weapons. The soldier shrugs them off with no effect. He approaches. Braytek closes in and attempts to take him out with a swing of the staff weapon. But the soldier is unstoppable, tossing the Jaffa master to the ground. He continues. Closer and closer to Teal'c. Teal'c is hiding behind this big giant rock and he 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 gets scared you can see the fear in his eyes and his face he pulls out his zap nicotel and he goes zap 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 and and just as the warrior is about to get on top of Teal'c, he suddenly collapses <laughs> the day is saved hooray hooray <laughs> <sighs> Just before Tilk is... No, there's a lot of... Yeah, anyway. Uh, the Carry two on. Jaffa return to the SGC along with the body of this super soldier. Carter calls in her father and his Tok'ra knowledge to assist in analyzing this new threat from the Gua'uld. They discover that this super soldier is a genetic creation cooked up in a lab. The human body was designed to be the ultimate athlete with no concern for longevity. A Gua'uld symbiote is used to keep this monster alive. Something even a symbiote can't do indefinitely. Finally, they discover that this creature was actually constructed and then brought to life by some kind of technology similar but far more powerful than that of a sarcophagus. They learn that Teal'c and Braytac simply got lucky. Its armor protects it from any energy-based weapon. They did not finally stop the soldier. It simply chose that moment to die on its own. Now it's good. Let's do this. It's it's a dramatic time for me to die. (laughs) (laughs) Selmak exposits on an old Gua'uld named Telchak. He found an ancient device that could bring life to non-living stuff. And he used this device to make the first sarcophagus. Unfortunately, this particular device was so terribly powerful that it uh, did not do good things to human flesh. Like, so, uh. however, maybe this has something to do with the uh, stories of, of the Fountain of Youth on Earth. Dr. Jackson remembers some research his grandfather, Dr. Nicholas Ballard, did about the Fountain of Youth, and they surmise that Anubis created the warriors by recreating the original ancient device using the knowledge that he obtained while he was ascended. But it's quite possible that the original device may actually still be, wait for it, on Earth. Mm, Of course. Naturally. General Hammond then gives Daniel permission to search for Telchak's original ancient device. So, Daniel travels with Dr. Bill Lee to Honduras, where, according to Ballard's research, Telchak's temple should lie. Their first action is to find a guide. Rogelio Duran is there to help them out. His cousin has a truck, but 
Unfortunately, it does not have gas. And no, Dr. Lee, there is no receipt for that. Sorry. Back at the SGC, they have learned as much as they're going to with a dead specimen of a super soldier. They need to capture one alive. Fortunately, Carter believes a tritium dart with a tranquilizer should do the trick. It should be able to penetrate the armor's, the soldier's armor where standard Gulwuld and Tauri weapons cannot. And so, they go to Lord Ramius's planet to set up an ambush. The super soldier arrives. They trap it in a force field. They trank it. It, it keeps going. They shoot it and it ex- and explode it. it. It, it, it keeps going. Oh, no. It reciprocates their attack. <laughs> but only so far as it can continue its mission. And I guess for them, it's... They're not his mission. Um, side note here. If you are going to attack somebody and hide behind a rock for him to come, and then you want to shoot him, don't just stand up like an idiot and fire. Stay right. crouched. Stay low. Use that rock as cover. Your chest and torso need the cover. Your ankles do not. Pardon. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Well, the team is alive, mostly. But now Ramius has been alerted to their presence, which is not so good. And the Stargate has now been compromised. They have but one choice. Surrender to Ramius and live to fight another day. The Gua'uld confronts O'Neill and his team. O'Neill tries to explain that, <laughs> here's the kicker, we weren't actually here to kill you. Shocker. We were trying to capture the creature that is here to try to kill you. Do you see the irony? Ramius is unimpressed. And with a creep, he leaves them behind bars. They turn their attention to the Jaffa guards. Tilk and Braytek tell them that Ramius is a false god, and the warrior will, and the Cole warrior, right, the big bad super soldier, will kill them, kill him, um, if if they don't do anything. But the guards like, ha, my god, Ramius is invincible, and they're like, I don't think so. Suddenly, they hear the warrior attack, and those guarding our heroes run to help their master. Who knew? Unsurprisingly, the cold warrior kills Ramius, leaving him very much dead, leaving the Jaffa behind, just as Braytek had predicted. The guard decides, I guess maybe we should release SG-1, but don't worry, because Carter has yet another idea on capturing the cold warrior. Stealing a Teltec, they fly over to where the warrior is running back to the Stargate, and they ring him up onto the ship and then evacuate the air from his compartment, and you know what? Even cold warriors need to breathe. And so eventually he succumbs to a lack of oxygen and passes out. Back in Honduras, the three go into the jungle in search of the temple. Rogelio thinks that they should have gone north. That's where all the cool temples are and, and roads. And, and instead now we're just wandering the jungles in the south where there are no temples. That is until Dr. Lee literally falls into the temple that they're looking for. I'm okay. Oh, if only archaeology slash grave robbing actually worked so easily as this. <laughs> I can only imagine Rowan rolling their eyes. Yes. Doctors Jackson and Lee work their way through the temple corridor until they find a dead end. 
Then Jackson remembers some phrase about water running toward the fountain of youth and blah, blah, blah. And so he takes Lee's canteen and pours the water onto the floor. And sure enough, the water, you know, moves through the little creases between all the blocks until finally it lands in an empty chamber in the floor. Amazing! Well, they pry up the stone, and sure enough, what do they find? Exactly what they're looking for. How do they know? How would they have any idea what this thing looks like? I don't know, but it looks cool, and it must be it, so therefore it is. But, do be careful. This thing is super powerful and will not treat human flesh nicely when it's on. And then, the stone lid of the compartment crashes back down, triggering a trap. It's a trap. Thousands of gallons of water thunder through the corridor. They run. They they get to the entrance, kind of, sort of, but, but the whole system is flooded. Ocalia looks down into the watery grave with uncertainty. Dr. Jackson? Dr. Dr. Lee? Dr. Jackson? Suddenly, the doctors emerge from the dirty water, soaked to the bone, but alive and with an ancient artifact. Unfortunately, Galio is not the only one that's on t- on the surface. They have been surrounded by guerrilla troops. They capture our team and lead them through the jungle. Along the way, Rogelio tries to escape and is shot unceremoniously, left for dead. Mm-hmm. Lee and Jackson are taken to the guerrilla base camp and tossed into a cell. The leader, Raphael, threatens them with death if they don't answer his questions in a way that he believes. They better hope that someone is willing to pay a great deal for them, or they will not enjoy this particular Central American vacation. (laughs) At the SGC, attempts are made to interrogate the Cull Warrior prisoner, but he reveals only that he serves Anubis. Jacob suggests that they use a memory recall device on him, Perhaps that will get him to reveal something useful in the back of his mind, even if he doesn't talk. Suffice it to say, the co-warriors are not what we call super smart, nor are they super talkative. Nevertheless, with a well-timed question, where is your home? The creature thinks of the constellations as seen from his home planet. The Tolkra then have the capacity to take that image from his brain and analyze it and find the precise place in the galaxy where those constellations can be seen, which, I have to say, is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. They have the Cull Warriors' homeworld now, a place called Tartarus. Suddenly, Hammond receives a phone call. Doctors Jackson and Lee have been kidnapped. Or is it Dr. Napped? anyway (laughs) and as of now they have no idea where they are what are they going to do now (gasps) to be continued to be continued and so Brent yeah as we stand there wondering what's going to happen to our heroes who have been kidnapped and threatened with death as we wonder what is going to happen with, with the, the, the super soldier and, and Tartarus and, and all that's there. Uh, <laughs> as we wait with bated breath. Mm-hmm. Just keep breathing because you also need oxygen too. Yes, that's true. What'd you think? I really had a lot of fun with this episode. I, I liked it. There was, there's definitely some parts about it which aren't uh, like 
flawless. Um, uh, that's kind of a tricky word. It's not like I'm finding much fault. Uh, there did seem to be, um, there was a couple of elements in there which felt a little bit, I don't know how best to say it. I, I was about to say it, like they felt a little out of place and I'm like, but why and how? And it's, maybe it's because, the, um, maybe it's because there was an awful lot of story that was told here and it was done pretty darn well. Uh, but it, 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 there was a lot of story in here. And mm-hmm. so as a result, uh, you know, maybe some of those things that I'm like, you know, oh, I wish this would have been a tad different or something. It might have way more to do with that. You know, like there were, there were, there was, there was just a lot in here. Um, you know, briefly thinking about like the memory recall device seemed like a pretty convenient day of sex machina, even though we've seen it before. Um, you know, where are you from? And the dude immediately thinks of the stars in the sky, uh, was a little convenient, but you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, I did like how, you know, they, the, the story just basically kind of called it like, you know, our heroes got lucky. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you and me, we've talked about this before about how part of the definition of being a hero is that good things happen to you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, it's true to the case. Good things happen here. Oh yeah. Another thing that, that it's like not exactly firing on all cylinders all the time. I mean, maybe Dr. Bill will uh, not make it, but um, Dr. Dr. Daniel is totally making it. So that, that kidnap scene, like I'm, I'm interested to see how it resolves, but I'm not really invested in that moment. But just because I'm just like, you know, something, something's going to happen here. That's going to save the day. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, how and, and what, uh, you know, it's still, it's still kind of unknown, but the rest of this stuff though, I mean, like this was a lot of fun. Um, uh, you know, uh, the introduction of a new bad guy. That's pretty dang impressive. Like that, that energy weapons seem to do nothing to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, projectile weapons seem to not matter much, uh, if at all, uh, that, uh, that, that force field, like you can just cut through force fields. Um, uh, it is, it is singularly purposed. Uh, so, you know, I guess in that regard, it's good because it can walk right by master Braytac and be like, I, I don't care about you. I'm doing something else right now. Um, but it's still pretty terrifying. Uh, and, uh, the effects were quite good on this one. I really did like the prosthetics that they used for the mask for the, for the coal soldier, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that translucent quality, uh, to it was pretty fun. Um, uh, it was good. Uh, the, the, the bonk bonk, uh, Darth Vader aspect I thought was a little bit, a little bit too hard on the nose. Um, I can't imagine that the, that the costume designers were not trying to emulate uh, that scene from Return of the Jedi, at least a bit, uh, when, you know, thinking through how this was going to, you know, work. Sure. I suppose in some regards, the the science part of the science fiction kind of dictates some of that stuff. If it's a creature that's barely keeping on to life, then you need a, some kind of a life support system. And so if you're thinking about those kinds of, of problems, uh, at, you know, in the story in general, you end up arriving at very similar conclusions. So maybe it's more like, you know, how nature loves crabs and less like how people love Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, and the, uh, there was a lot of really interesting things like, the, you know, so the, the, the I did think it was a little bit 
eye rolly that the the that the the device for the fountain of youth uh is on earth uh it does tie nicely into previous myths i like that um and i will kind of shrug my shoulders and go you know maybe earth is really special uh to all of these ancient uh aliens that are trying to control the universe um so they keep kind of gravitating towards this little blue dot over there <laughs> as opposed to anywhere else. Um, so, you know, I mean, that did feel a little bit peculiar, but whatever. But then like the, then we're into the sort of the standard thing where I compliment, but mean all the way, the acting, the directing and the sets. And especially this episode, I was noticing the lighting choices. It was getting consistently darker throughout the whole episode. Mm. to the mm. point of that the final scene was like literally top lit and that's it um and uh you know even to the point where uh as the interrogation kept going on uh the lighting kept getting darker to the point that when teal turned around and smiled when when uh when when uh selmak was like you know we've got the we've got the location of the home world teal turns around and smiles but the lighting is such that i mean he's in shadow when he turns around and smiles like that was pretty ominous right. yeah and um, you know, I'm curious to see if that matters. Um, if if I were to make a prediction based solely on the lighting, I would say that SG One is about to go to a dark place, meaning they're about to make decisions that might not be the most honorable or the most uh, justifiable. That they might be approaching something where um, ends justify means. But that's me purely spitballing based off of a choice of lighting, right? So not sure. Could be that they just were trying to make it feel more ominous. And so they just kept bringing the dialing the light down, dialing the light down, dial the light down. Because, um, I mean, but but as far as that ominousness is concerned, yeah, it was that that was pretty effective. Um, yeah. I think that it's curious about the ominousness of the lighting juxtaposed with the seeming hope that they are getting more information, like they're getting closer to figuring this thing out. So that's curious to me. The pacing was fine. Like there was a lot. There was a lot in this story, but I didn't feel like the pacing was off. Not no, I didn't I, even even the parts that were slower uh seemed to work fine. The juxtaposition of comedy and drama worked well. Um, you know, Dr. Bill falling through the hole, found it. Like I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, later I'm like he probably would have broken his ankle, but like you know <laughs> I mean, I'm just 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 yeah. rolling with it, yeah. like, Fair. like you know, hey, let's 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 do this. Um, that uh, that the guide was unceremoniously shot was definitely um, a bit of a bummer. That he he came across as so um, uh, affable and like affable and likable are mostly the same word. Uh, it's all that, right. You use affable and likable if you want. That that's, yes, this is, you can do that. I can do it. This is our show. Um, exactly. That 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 he seems to be killed so fast is is a bummer. Um, will he be back? I don't know. Like, did we actually see him die? No. But is he currently is he is he currently shot and dying in the middle of a jump? Yes, yes, in the middle of nowhere with no roads. Yeah, this is this is a bummer. Um, I hope that the uh, I hope that the kidnapping terrorists are a bit more. Um, a bit more important to the story other than opportunists though i could absolutely see the story being like yeah they were opportunists that 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 uh, that that their ringleader happened to be in the in the cantina at the same time that they came by and and observed you know it, 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 it spotted a mark uh 
and right. therefore that's that's what that is. Um, I kind of wanted them to be a bit more like uh, the you know like the artifact robbing bad guys in Indiana Jones, right? Mm, Where mm-hmm. you know let them do the hard work and then grab it at the end. Um, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm kind of ping ponging around a little bit, but mostly because I'm excited for the resolution of the of the story. Um, I did, I, I had fun with it. And even the parts where I'm like, meh, I mean, meh, they weren't that much of a distraction from the overall story such that, you know, like, Hey, I'm excited. This is interesting stuff. This is absolutely new tech, um, new technology that we're being confronted with. We're solving it in a novel way. We've got a threat to the team. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've got, when I said new technology, I was thinking about the, the, the suit, the, you know, the, the super suit right um but also the 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 piece of ancient technology that apparently is the foundation of the sarcophagus sarcophagi sarcophaguses um you know that was a fun piece of information that was revealed i like how it's kind of fitting together and it makes sense that after seven years uh especially good storytellers would be able to retcon some stuff to make it nice and tidy to have these things like click into place mm-hmm. um but it's still enjoyable. It's still lovely to be uh, presented with a piece of information that explains something in a way that's believable and enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time with this one. So what about you, Zach? What'd you think? Uh, so, yeah, uh, I enjoy this episode. Um, I know that there are some folks who really, really like this episode and, you know, all that stuff. And I think it's a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I... It's an episode that is very convenient along the way. Mm-hmm. And so long as I just accept that that's just the way it is mm-hmm. and go for the ride, um, you know, the, the, the leap. Now, the introduction of the super soldier is amazing. Uh, yes. That is exciting. I, I really like the, the beginning of that. And the fact that, that uh, they, as you said, they got lucky. And that's how they survived, right? He just, yeah. he had a heart attack, um, you know, or, or pulmonary failure, uh, technically. Uh, yes. But in any case, um, he stopped breathing, he stopped, his heart stopped pumping, and he died. Uh, and they just got lucky enough that that happened right at that moment. Um, that actually, um, I, I, I appreciate that. That's really good uh, storytelling for me and in a great way to introduce a threat that is legitimately threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole thing, that let's capture him in a force field, and he just kind of shrugs it off. Let's, you know, he steps on a landmine. Yes. Blows up literally in his face. And he's like, keeping going. Yep. Keeping going. Um, you know, I mean, th- this is a monster that is um, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, which which is really impressive because, you know, even kinetics have an issue and he apparently can <laughs> shrug off kinetics. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, there are some uh, there are some impl- or implied aspects of mass that are kind of being ignored, but whatever, you know, um, terrifying, you know, but um, but because but I mean, I'm OK with that because it's it, it definitely follows the rule of cool. And yeah, I have yeah. to say that the costumers, designers of that suit, oh yeah, uh, did a great job. Yes, Th- that agreed. is a legitimately frightening 
thing. And when yes. you put uh, Dan Payne in there, who is six foot four, and that helmet adds another six inches on top of him, mm-hmm. uh, you've got this giant seven foot behemoth coming mm-hmm. towards you. I mean, it's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, things that that I find a little bit, um, well, more than a little bit convenient in the storyline. Um, they're like, uh, oh, okay, so this is, you know... Now, moving to, to the, the, the device that built the sarcophagus and that was transformed, all that stuff, that I'm actually fine with. That actually is kind of cool. It's an interesting mm-hmm. story that this thing was dead. It was not alive when it was created in the lab, mm-hmm. and then it was given life in this way. Um, is actually really cool. Um, and the fact that Anubis, when he was not ascended, was looking for it and was fighting Telchak and all of that stuff, um, didn't find it then. But now that he's ascended and descended, he has that knowledge to rebuild that stuff. That I'm, I'm totally there with it. Now, all of a sudden, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is the the uh, makings of the Fountain of Youth story. I'm like, wow, okay, so that was a jump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, a, a bigger jump that says, oh, well, Clearly, if this is the Fountain of Youth story, then it must be here on Earth. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's a big jump. Yeah. Um, but if you accept that and just keep running with it, I don't. You know, it, it it works. Um, and then, of course, uh, I actually really enjoy the stuff in in Honduras. Uh, I like Regalio. Um, he has a very affable character. He, yeah. Likable, right? He's a likable, yep. affable character. I, <laughs> friendly friendly you know mm-hmm. uh, I, I i couldn't help myself there brent sorry i i know i know i know i'm trying um, to think of a third synonym but i or fourth yeah whatever yes in good. any case carry on um uh jovial he's jovial it's not really a synonym but not really but close anyway, though close though uh in any case amicable. Um, what amicable Amicable. Ooh. See, now we're definitely wrong here because amicable and friendly; those are and and affable and uh, likable. Those are those are similes, not similes. Um, synonyms. Syn- yeah. In any case, um, the the well, I want to look for a temple here. Um, there are no temples there; they're all in the north. Now that makes sense. Yep, I'm right there with you. We got all that. Uh, okay, but I want to go south. Okay, fine, we're gonna go south. Like, well, I don't understand it. Where is it? Where is it? Boom. All of a sudden, he falls into it. Yes. And it's there. Um, yes. Now we're getting into, um, you know, somebody flipped a destiny point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, weirdly good things happen to heroes. That's and true. And while, while it happened to Dr. Bill, it kind of happened to Dr. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so whatever. Um the fact that they they happen to fall into the precise right part of the chamber that they yes. just go down the hallway to the just left, down the hall. <laughs> and then Hang they left. just happen to you know pour some water on the ground, and it just happens to fall into this little space that 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 shows that it just happens to be the device precisely that they're looking for, and they can tell it's the device that they're looking for because they can't read any of the stuff that's on it i guess it looks i mean clearly it's clearly just clearly 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 um you know uh so this this gets a little bit uh eye rolly to me just a Mm -hmm. bit 
but it's still enjoyable. It's still a fun story. Um, you know, the the whole um, you know going into a a cavern that has the item that you're looking for and finding it and then all of a sudden there's a trap it's definitely tropey but it works um you know the uh uh you know the 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 water trap is is kind of cool and definitely would work most of the time um most of these places don't think about how to reset the traps (laughs) well i suppose um, that's actually a great point. That would be fun. That would be a fun thing to have some archaeologically based adventure, an Indiana Jonesy type thing, where the trap, where the artifact is still there because somebody tried to steal it and the trap was sprung and killed the person. But now the trap has been sprung. It's perfectly safe. Like <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, now, here you go. Just, now, just admittedly, <laughs> in in this particular case, assuming that the water doesn't recede. Which is a big assumption, yes. um, given the the style, you know, because it doesn't look like this was a, um, you know, a waterproof cavern. No, um, well, maybe it was, you know. But if that water does not recede, then you know now it becomes a significant challenge to get back in there and get anything else. Not impossible, but quite challenging. Yeah, you just if the year. Well, you know. But, you know, you also have to, you know, sift through very dirty, murky water. So uh, no that's, amount of that's, light is going to get you through there. That's that, that's 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 water archaeology right there, Bug. <laughs> that's just, that's oh, what okay. they do. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that one. No, but it's 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 an element of storytelling that we that we choose to ignore for the purposes of allowing the tension to exist. We want the tension and we want the tension to be resolved but we don't want the tension resolved in a in a in a in a framework of oh i guess this trap is now no longer a threat ever right we want it to right. kind of be ominous and hanging out so so we'll, so it's a suspension of disbelief it's like you know it's like the big giant boulder that rolled after indiana jones when he captured when he stole the golden i don't know what like is there somebody rolling a 15 ton boulder back up <laughs> to the or, start of that or thing. Or is this a like, giant 15-ton boulder Pez machine and there's another right? one set up there it's ready like to 50. go. <laughs> but it only goes off if the artifact is removed, so then somebody clearly is coming back and putting it back. Also, who's keeping the torches lit? But, you know, that's another matter. Well, you know. And and the blow darts. And the blow way. darts. Yep. Um, in any case, uh, you know, you got this, this going on. Um, once that they're captured by the you know you, you accept all of this stuff you know as it's written and you're fine then they're captured by the guerrilla troops um and actually now we're back into plausible territory again um and you know then they they capture them and they, they shoot regalia which is awful um yep. and uh then you know uh the then we get back to the super soldier and that stuff uh you know fine actually you know that actually Makes sense. I mean, if if you were to ask a particularly dim-witted monster, where are you from? Right. Um, assuming he had actually seen the stars in his planet, which, you know, here they get a little bit lucky, but it's certainly plausible. That makes sense. And so if he could... And, and the fact that he's not like, well, I'm clearly from this planet called Tartarus, you know, but he's like, well, where are you from? Oh, I'm from this place... 
you know, and, and I look up in the sky and I see this. Eh, I, I could buy it. Um, it yeah, it, it's convenient, but yeah. It, it, it is convenient, but it's not, frankly, it's less convenient than literally falling into the temple you're looking for. There's, there's an off, yes. Do you like that? Where I was about to try to justify it, and I'm like, nah, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 don't, don't even try, don't even try. Um, you know, I watch enough of Expedition Unknown to know that finding things that are lost is way harder than literally falling in it. Than literally falling into it. Um, um, but you know, and the fact that they use the memory we called that that that's all plausible, and that's actually great because it pulls into this story things that we've already established as technologies that we have right because they use that memory recall device in precisely the same way that it has been used in the past mm-hmm. um and now they're using it which is great because gosh darn it if you have a tool that does a thing and then you run into a situation where you need something that does the thing then use the tool that you have oh yeah i mean that makes sense and too often, those things are not done. But right. they, you know, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, so that's wonderful. It's, it's great. All of those things. Uh, so, you know, I like it, but it's also convenient in some places. Um, I really, I mean, so without going into detail, the super soldiers are bad dudes. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they're going to be bad dudes... For some time now. Mm. And this is the episode, this is the story where this is introduced. And this is the first time we see it. And I think it's a great introduction. You know, I am immediately, I'm surprised I didn't kind of put it together until just now. But like, I'm immediately thinking of uh, the introduction of the Borg in the Star Trek uh, mythos with Next Gen. Mm Mm-hmm. And how um, how almost evident it was that they were going to be a major driver in new story. Um, I mean, granted, it was kind of set up a little bit differently, right? Because 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 it was literally the first episode. Um, so it it it, it 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 was as if um, uh, Apophis uh, was still around and being a bad dude, but. Um, but on the other hand, like I can, yes, this is a, this is a major introduction of, cause this is either going to go two ways. Either it's going to be something that is around for a while, or this is going to be one of those super duper major threats that gets resolved, but, and we're going to be like, hooray. And then the next episode is going to be something else. And after a while, I'm going to be thinking to myself, wait a minute, didn't they have something that was like really amazing? And they, and where, where's that now? Like, how, how is that not a thing anymore? So Yeah. This terrifying bad guy. Yeah. This is, this is going to be this. This this is good. Yeah. Um. One thing I'm noticing here. Uh, this episode is written by Damian Kindler, mm-hmm. and he seems to have a writing style that just um puts you on the rails and lets you just go choo 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 choo. Mm. Um. You know it, it. The we've come across this this idea of. Well, that was remarkably convenient for you to have come up with this, and it just happens to be there. Uh, and mm-hmm. why is this here? Because it fits the story, and we need it for the story. Um, 
uh, you know, so it's just plausible enough, but also makes you want to go, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not the first time that we've run across this with Damien's writing. Um, and I just wanted to make that point out there. I think I think that at least from a from a story consumer point of view, that when storytelling does that too much, it gets a little bit frustrating, at least for me, because um, I can envision uh, explanation. So I can imagine an explanation as to why uh, Jackson and Lee find the temple that no one else has ever found, and they do so in an, in a in an expeditious manner convenient mm-hmm. to story and that would be that they have a novel interpretation of information right so in my opinion stories that uh choose to move the st- when storytelling chooses to move the story forward in extremely convenient ways but they bank shot it off of the notion of these people took the same pieces of information and interpreted it differently, and therefore that led them to this, whereas everyone else went that away. Right. Like those those types of jumps make way more sense. So you can have them literally walk straight to the temple, right, right there, and like have a little conversation in a clearing of you know their guide being like, see nothing here, and you know have the doctors look at each other and like you know with a sly grin and have one pull out a spade and shove it into the ground and have it go tonk. Right. Like, and it's because they, 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 they saw something that no one else did. And it's because of their experience. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, you know, what was another like really heavy bonk, bonk, uh, moment in this episode? Um, uh, the, the memory device was a little bit bonk, bonk for me, but not so bad. What's another good one? Um, well, just the, the, the very convenient thing that, that a, a creature that, uh, you know, even as I, as I forgave it earlier, but it is still bonk bonk, the creature that was literally uh, given life by artificial means mm-hmm. uh, happens to have spent enough time outside on a planet to uh, understand the starscape well enough yes. to think about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, th- y- y- but again, you can, in my opinion, you can, you can, you can have that still kind of technically work by maybe not necessarily having it remember the skyscape, but having it like look over a vista with a particularly unique uh, geological feature or something. Just just have it be a, a a moment of serendipity in the form of you know where are you from, and it thinks of like this huge like you know beautiful canyon or something because that's where the city was built, where they're doing this stuff, and then you know have. Have Selmec go, wait a minute, that looks an awful lot like, right? You still have your hero moment, but it's because of knowledge that right. the hero moment really kind of hits. I mean, honestly, while it is, you know, very convenient how they find where Tartarus is and all of that stuff, um, that doesn't, I mean, there are other ways you could have done it. Yeah. And it's convenient this way, but uh, that doesn't, but what gets to me is that the, the closest we have to, Dr. Lee and Dr. Jackson have a different approach to this, is, uh, so apparently, Dr. Ballard has this note, these notes, oh, yeah. that were in an ancient dialect ancient of Google. Ancient dialect of Google. Okay, right. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jackson speaks Gould. Right. Um, you know, he, m- maybe he couldn't translate it. Maybe it was written backwards. Maybe, who knows? 
But but for him to be able to identify it as Guawuld, and frankly, if this had been around, if Teal'c was there, which I believe he was, at least on the base at that t- point in time, uh, talking to Teal'c, who uh, we've already shown in previous episodes, not only knows Guawuld, but also knows several ancient dialects of Guawuld. Yeah. yeah. Now, will he know this one? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But it's there. For all of this, and then it's it's Selmak who's like, this is ancient Guawuld. And right. we're like, why didn't Daniel already know this? Oh, it this? would have been, yeah, and, 100%. And, it and then I needed <laughs> one more scene in there and, and something to... to no, just rewrite rewrite who says the lines. Have Jackson open up the diary, you know, talking about this thing, and then have him look back at it and go, how did I never... And then have him hold the book up to Selmak and go, is this an ancient dialect of Gould? And have Selmak go, it is, right? Like, you know, yeah. you, you use up almost exactly the same amount of time. You rewrite who says what. And now it's a moment of, yeah, Jackson never noticed it before. That's okay. Maybe the last time he opened up that diary was way back in season three when, when we left Grandpa on the bridge. Fair enough. And he learned a lot since then. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, and then just something in there that, that says in these notes that happen to be ancient Gua Wuld, um, well, where did Nicholas get those? And and how does that bring us to a a GPS coordinate? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, um, so so that bit right there, um, I would have appreciated that, and that would have helped me get to a point where uh, they... You know, then you could have still gone there and says, well, okay, so this is actually where it's supposed to be. Why is this where it's supposed to be? Because we literally have a GPS that says it's supposed yeah. to be at this latitude and la- longitude and latitude, and we're here, and I'm looking around, and I don't see it. Where mm-hmm. is it? Boom, I fall. Hey guys, I found it. Now yeah. all of a sudden I'm 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 with you. Um but the the most we got was it's by a river. Yeah. <laughs> With a waterfall. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Honduras has more than one waterfall. Yeah, and 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 double spoiler, every one of them is next to a river. Whoa. Yeah, that that Venn diagram we- is actually a circle. Oh my! Uh, oh, oh my! Oh. Mm-hmm. Every waterfall is next to a river. Mm. Wow. Okay. Okay. That sounds like something that should be on a motivational poster. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Your waterfall is in. No, I got nothing. Every waterfall is really a river, tumbling, uh, tumbling down, 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 down. Not very motivational. No. Nope. Anyway, so there you go. Um. So, Brent, yeah, we've chewed on this for a while now. Uh, we've said good things about it. We've said some not-so-good things about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I want to know now, what is your Chevron rating for the first part of this two-part episode? I, I, did, I did enjoy it. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you about how there's an awful lot about this story that is just convenient. And sometimes when the story gets that convenient, I start panning it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. This one had enough goodness inside it that um, I'm willing to forgive it. Uh, I think that it could have been told a little bit more tightly. And a little bit, it, it, some of these things as we, you and me have discussed, uh, there, there could be clever, more clever ways to kind of explore some of these 
convenient aspects that turn it in uh, that drive it away from wow you keep getting lucky into the zone of wow you guys are also really talented right we this episode had an awful lot of luck in it right um and but what what was done with it was a lot of fun i really did like it i don't think it's a flawless episode but i really enjoyed it for me this is this is a six out of seven uh, All right. there's certainly parts about it, which could drive it into the five territory, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I want to see what happens next. So six out of seven for me. Cool. So it's a good episode. Mm-hmm. It's got flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to look at this episode without thinking about what happens in the next episode. Mm, um, yeah. Now, fortunately for me, it has been quite a long time since I've seen this episode last. So I'm a little bit fuzzy on some of the particulars of it. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to sit there with this episode by itself. And so I'm, I'm deciding. Um, you mentioned that this, there are things in this episode that could push it down into the five category. And I think you're right. And so I'm trying to decide. Yep. Okay. I have. I have. I had to go through this process, um, and this is a five and a half for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it. It. It's good. It's solid. Um, the fact that that we've got the the super soldier who is really awesome and all of this stuff, um, but it's just just that much. You know, not quite there for me. Yep. So five and a half. Yep. All right. Well, Brent. Yeah. It is time for our predictions. Yes. Yeah, I've got some Twitters ah, over here. Okay. Well, just one. Just one. Just the one. Um, and is, it, is it from Kevin? It, it is from Kevin. Ah, it is okay. from Kevin. Okay. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. I predict that your combined Chevron score will be somewhere between 6 and 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He asks, does that count? Do I win? Kevin, you win of a sort. Yes. <laughs> if, if you want me to be more specific, I guess I could always head over to the Facebooks. I'm already running out of characters here. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, uh, so that was what we had on the Twitters. Uh, thank you so much, Kevin, for that. Okay. So, well, Kevin uh, does have a comment on the Facebooks. Oh, yes. Okay. Hi, he Kevin. says, hi, Zach, and hi, Brent. It's a bird. It's a plane. Whatever it is, it's immune to our weapons. Mm. Even claymores and C4. This is a great two-part episode, but this is actually the first time I've watched just part one without immediately watching part two after. <laughs> so that's uh-huh. fun. <laughs> a good introduction to a powerful new foe. However, I was a bit surprised at how long the episode was. After all, I thought the episode was going to end after Teal'c zatted the super soldier three times and he disintegrated, but it, it didn't. So uh, I guess the, that officially no longer happens anymore. Yeah, well, no, they, they yeah, you, you, you th- that, that whole aspect of, of zatting technology uh, stopped. It's, it's questionable, yeah. yes. Anyway, he says, looking forward to next week as well. One scene in particular that I really like. I'm going to guess a five from Brent and a five from Zach. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, if you had guessed a, uh, a combined score of 10, which is between three and 14, I suppose, but uh, yep. a little bit more specific than that, then then 
You would have gotten close, but not yes. quite. All right. We have Tim. Hi, Tim. He says, it is too late, and I am too tired to get into reasons. <laughs> I would give this a six. Zach will give it a five and a half. Mm-hmm. And Brent yes. will give it a six. Oh, do, do, Tim, do, you do, got do, it. Do, 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 Tim Hooray! got it right. Tim got it right. Woo! Congratulations, Tim. And I understand. It, it was too late to do to, to reasons. So. Yeah. All right. We have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Two-parter. Better have a double helping of a plot to go with that. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see here. There we go. Okay. There's a new kid in town. He's a little pale and dresses all in black. Let's call him Goth Puppy. What? I can't be the only one who thinks that helmet looks kind of like a doggo. Oh uh, yeah! yeah. For a badass stone cold killer, this guy's a little gooey. And, he's and very dead. Mm. Yeah, SG1 he's dead lays a trap to catch a live goth puppy, but when plan <laughs> when does plan A ever work out? Good thing our heroes are smarter than the forgettable Guawuld who runs this joint. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Daniel heads to scenic Honduras to get his Indiana Jones on. He's brought Dr. Lee along to literally trip over the temple he's looking for. It's mm-hmm. uncanny how accurately this show portrays the gritty realities of archaeology. Oh, Dr. yeah. Dr. Lee is just the kind of guy I'd want to have my have my back in a dodgy field situation he definitely wouldn't go flashing all his cash around like a clueless tourist and wind up getting (laughs) us both kidnapped never mind yeah i was thinking about that too just like keep your money in your whatever here we go daniel has been taken prisoner by scarier people than this guy but dr lee knows he doesn't have plot armor to protect him nope Uh, did you see the look on his face i know (laughs) I'm going to kill one of you. And Dr. Lee's like, we all know which one you're going to kill. It. I'm not on the title card. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel has take, been taken. Right. Uh, will Dr. Lee crack under the pressure? Will the rest of the team finally learn where Anubis is hiding? Find out next time. <gasps> nice. There's a lot being set up here, but it's hard to know how Brent will rate it without knowing the payoff. Let's mm. say six. Zach already yes. knows what will happen, and we'll give it a five and a half. <gasps> Holy cow, Rowan got a two! Rowan got Woo! a two! Do, 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 do. That's two! That's two! Wow, nice. Uh, they continue. This episode has an IMDb rating of 8.1, which is five chevrons, putting it in the top half of Stargate episodes overall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And finally, on the Facebooks, we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, so Brent was right in that they went on location for this episode. He (laughs) wasn't right, however, that they spent money in doing so. Trip to Honduras? (laughs) Sorry, crew. We're going to Mid-Valley Viewpoint. But hey, beats the Lower Valley, right? Yeah. Right? (laughs) Oh, funny. Uh, I feel they could have done more with this episode. The appearance of the Lost Temple was too convenient, almost comical. The temple was very clean, too. Super Soldier is is a cool concept, but the reveal of what it was was too soon. 
Like, mm. at least give it to the end of the season, not the same episode. Mm. Uh, I think Brett will feel the same and give this a five. Zach will Close. give this a five and a half because he can. Oh, yes. yes. This one gets a five from me, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very close, Sean. Indeed. Quite yes. good. Yes. And, Brent, we do have a couple of emails. Okay. Our first email comes from good friend of the podcast listener, Justin. Hey, Justin. Is this one of those episodes where Zach hits us with a shtick? Probably. <laughs> Is there an episode? That's what we normally do. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. This, this, one, this one goes for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> the machines rose from the ashes of nuclear p- fire. Their war to exterminate mankind has raged for decades, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here, in our present. The Terminator Gould Biker Armored Dollar Store Darth Vader was created by <laughs> the GM for Game Balance. Yes! Honest, guys, really. <laughs> It's, start, it's starting to the, the, the heroes are starting to get a little bit too uh, a little bit too powerful. Got to got to dial them back down yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. So so you know in in other news, um, my my uh, character in Pathfinder is a, a suffice it to say he can do something in the order of two hundred points hit points worth of damage in a single round. Um. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, so so not not him specifically. He he has an extra planar yes. planar yes. uh, yes. beast, an Adelon that comes with him, and that has four a te- claws and a bite with mm-hmm. some super cool magical weapons that uh, does something like each claw does one d six claw damage plus. 2d6 cold plus 1d6 electricity anyway. plus 20. <laughs> Carrying on. Sorry, I, I get I get distracted. Yeah, it is, but it's exciting. But It is you, exciting. So, you know, yeah, game balance is real. Game balance, yep. All right, Justin continues. Donkeys and outdoor seating are the genuine hallmarks of Honduran culture. <laughs> As is the smooth-looking beer-drinking guy eyeing the eyesore American tourists, which is a completely implausible stereotype. Uh, the, the tourists, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that smooth-looking guy is just local color, and we won't see him again. <laughs> the super armor cannot take a good-natured needling, so they can trank the big organic super weapon, calling that Plan A. They anticipate failure with Plan C4. Uh, yep. Although there should have been plan giant pit trap. Ooh. Well, they do end up kind of figuring that out, though, in kind of a weird reverse way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I know they needed to be inconspicuous on uh, a uh, hiatal. I, I don't know that word. Ooh. H-I-A-T-A-L? H-I-A-T-A-L. Let me look it up. Define H-I-A-T-A-L. Hatial? Hatial? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I think I think there's it. a typo in there. Um, Could be. There's 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 a hernia. There's a hernia. That's 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 that. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's it's some sort of Google the planet. That is why they switched out the C four for gasoline explosions. <laughs> More <laughs> subtle, less likely to draw attention to themselves. <laughs> That is why they changed their call sign. The Gould could never crack the code Niner. Also, what the heck? 
is the SG3S Scout. Uh, <laughs> being the first part of a two-parter, they needed a prison scene to get to set up the heroics of Stargate Part Du. Plus, it gave Jack a chance to heckle the Jaffa. He did everything mm-hmm. but the tip your waitress shtick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm glad no animals took shelter in the underground tunnel without writing otherwise. Dr. Jackson and his plus one would have been unable to remark that the tunnel had no writing. Mm-hmm. At least the American superior health insurance prevented them from breaking legs when they randomly <laughs> dropped into the hole. <laughs> it is also good of insert Google name here's uh, to pay for the cleaning so that dirt didn't obstruct the answer to only the penitent man will pass. <laughs> or was it asps? Very dangerous. You go Very first. Dangerous. Yes. Also, there would have been an interesting alternate episode with an R-O-U-G-M rodent of unintentional Google manipulation. <laughs> because there's probably a non-zero chance that this would have become active by a rodent touching it randomly and then becoming a chupacabra or equivalent cryptid. <laughs> At least they were able to pick it up without touching it, the same way I reviewed the episode without watching it. <laughs> oh. Oh. Brett will give it an SG69 er schnick. Snicker, uh, Zach will give it a 6.5 Sierra. <laughs> what do I do? I say nice? I think I do say nice and also very close. Uh, I'll be Bach, he says. He'll be Bach. Very, okay. very regular. Well, um, thank Orderly. you. Thank you, Justin. I, I, I appreciate your, your love and, and kindness and, and fine words. <laughs> And finally, we have David. Hi, David. David has a can't think of a funny Chevron encoding bias buffer uh, to go with this episode. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. can't win them all. He, 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 but he did fall into it, so you know that worked. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I want to like this episode. He says. I mean, mm-hmm. I do like this episode, but I want to like this episode. Sure, mm. it's good, but it's not. Oh my god, good. Yeah, right. It's just right. set up for part two. The tension is just not there, even with Daniel and Dr. Lee getting kidnapped. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. who did an awesome cliffhanger? Star Trek TNG Best of Both Worlds Part 1. That mm-hmm. was a great, with a terrific, that was great, with a terrific cliff- cliffhanger, ending with the Enterprise firing on the Borg ship that Picard slash Locutus of Borg was on. I remember mm-hmm. watching that and shouting, ah, when it was over. This, yeah. oh, 100% agree with you, David, on that. I, I was obsessed with that cliffhanger for the entire off-season, wondering yeah, yeah. and waiting and expecting and waiting for what was going to happen yeah. next. Yeah. And frankly, I was not disappointed. I will say that part one of Best of Both Worlds is better than part two, but they're both good. Anyway, anyway, they're anyway. They're both good, yeah. Back to this one. This one, though, was just... Okay, it's been 44 minutes. Time's up. Here's a cliffhanger. See you in a few months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good in the context of Stargate as a whole, but on its own, it's just not enough. Five chevrons from Brent for the new unstoppable soldier. Mm-hmm. Four and a half chevrons from Zach for being nowhere as good as part two will be. 
so yeah plus one both of us and you nailed it but yeah 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 yeah. and one last thing podcast listeners as the walking through stargate quasi executive producer showrunner and promo producer or whatever brent is calling me this week it was my (laughs) idea to cover these uh, these two episodes as separate podcasts go ahead and blame me Brent, you too. Zach agreed with me, but I suggested it because, A, Brent should watch it the way it was originally aired in two parts, (laughs) albeit not with a three-month break. B, I did not want to make a one-minute promo for both parts of the story. Sorry, not sorry. It's all good. Don't worry, it's already been decided the next two-parter will be covered in one podcast. Sigh. All good. There you go. So now that uh, David uh, has... uh, shared all of the the who's it's and the what's it's and the why's it's from behind the scenes uh don't have to worry about that nope now brent all good yes this episode is evolution part one yeah Mm -hmm. next week's episode is Mm. evolution part two oh it's it's the second part of this two-part episode Oh, I see. So this episode Uh ends Uh with what we call a cliffhanger. Nobody was actually hanging off a cliff. No. But that's still what they call it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then presumably part two is going to resolve the problems of part one. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. So how are they going to resolve Evolution part one in evolution part two. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the dramatic conclusion of the Evolution series continues and concludes and finalizes and wraps up. The (laughs) team finally understand that what sets them apart in the universe is not their might, though they are mighty, and it is not their uh, tools, though they have some amazing weaponry and some fantastic technologies. No, no. The thing that seems to set them apart across time and space is that Time and time again, they seem to be the most clever creatures in the room. Even the most significantly powerful Asgard are very, very bright and very smart. But it seems to be that humankind contains that spark that sets them apart. As such, we take everything that we hated about Evolution Part 1, and we resolve it appropriately in Evolution Part 2. How did they just stumble across the, the, the temple? They thought about it for 15 seconds, or well, no, they thought about it for 15 minutes, maybe longer, 15 hours, and they figured it out. How did they figure out how to capture the, uh, the super soldier? They figured it out. So what's going to happen in Evolution Part 2? They're going to actually use their advantage and sit there and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we just go barging into this thing and get ourselves into a whole lot of trouble, how about we analyze this for a second and come up with some novel interpretations of this information? Oh, you know what we can do? Yeah, I know what we can do. This is so easy. All we got to do is just suck out all the oxygen out of the whole planet, and then every single one of these super soldiers is going to fall down. We got another spare Stargate somewhere, right? I mean, we got the Alpha. How about we go to that one spot where there's hardly anybody there? Let's go grab that gate and come on over here and then open it up next to a black hole and have all the oxygen suck out like we do with the with the with the star yeah we could do that with the star what's going to happen to the planet i don't know probably nothing but you know because it's the story how do we do that because that's a terrible idea i have no idea where i'm going with my prediction and neither do you join us next time on stargate sg1 evolution part two very good so 
do we get a do we get another do we get a black hole? Um, not in this episode. Well, mm. that's not necessarily true. Um, there is a black hole because there are black holes and they exist. But Whether or not we'll hole? get to see a black hole, uh, oh. we'll have to wait and find out. <sighs> um, are they going to outthink the problem or are they going to blow it up a C4? Well, if by C4 you mean gasoline, then I can't answer that question. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, then let's see what uh, kind of mess I made out of this thing. All right. Are you ready for the promo? Yes, I am ready. I am not. Oh. <laughs> now I am ready. <laughs> I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. What is Whoa. the deadly secret of the Telchak device and the Kull warriors? Thoth, Lord Anubis I was not expecting it. Tell me how this one has fared. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. 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 Now you're stuck in my part of the world. You need me. And I'm calling you. I don't think so. What? Okay. Run! Okay. Uh-oh. Oh dear. Oh, oh my. Holy on. cow. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Uh-oh. Oh no. Oh. That's a lot of bad guys. Holy cow. Yikes. Well, it looks like they're not going to suck the oxygen out of the planet. Well, th- that that comes in the scene right after they see all of the bad guys. Oh, they see the magnitude of the problem, and then they start to think. And then they realize that the th- the solution is to suck all of the oxygen off of the planet. <laughs> because it totally works that way. It totally works that way. <laughs> awesome. Oh, right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So... Thank you, David, for the promo. That's awesome. Yes, thank you, David. Uh, thank you all for your great comments. If you have anything else that you want to say about this episode or any of the other episodes that we have done, uh, you can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Of course, you can also talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking and on Facebook and the Discords and all of those things. And until that, until then, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.